You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that am. Well, there is quite a bit of news, and I'm going to do my best because I haven't actually really done a podcast just, you know, like this in uh, quite a while. We had Packers Without Borders filling in for me. Thank you to those boys for uh, stepping in. I'm still not feeling super great, as you can maybe hear, um, but good enough. And then yesterday, we had the uh, duo of Mr. Sam Holman and Coach Hahn, who gave us some pretty good insights into some things. And um, now we get back to just doing what we do, looking at some news and notes and whatnot, and seeing uh, what the heck's going on out there. And I'm going to do my best to not skip any major narratives, but there's just so much stuff going on. Let's start with this. Tom Brady, um, I guess, retired, except maybe he didn't retire also is an option. It's it's possible that he didn't retire um, based on all available information. Sounds like maybe he didn't. But it's possible that he did. Um, we don't know. Schefter said he did, but then he said he didn't. And then I also saw a tweet from Ian Rappaport, I believe it was, saying that he did retire, or he's. it's not that he's not going to, it's that he is, it's just the timing. In other words, we jumped the gun and now he's mad about it. Kind of like the whole Supreme Court thing. Where it's like, hey, man, you're going to retire, right? Because if you don't retire and we lose in the upcoming elections, which we are, we might have a hard time filling your seat. So we're going to need you to go now. And he's like, yeah, I'll probably go. We'll see. I got to think about it. And then all of a sudden there's all these reports. Yeah, he's leaving. He's leaving. Oh, he's definitely leaving. He's leaving. He's leaving. He's leaving. And he's like, you bunch of jerks. You absolute bunch of jerks. Fine. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going. Okay, whatever. Fine. Everybody's trying to push Tom Brady out. And so now he's like retreating and is like, no, I didn't say it. No, forget you guys. I didn't say anything. No, get out of here. Calls the team like, nope, haven't I got like years to figure this out. I literally have not even considered it. I am climbing a mountain for enlightenment. I forgot football existed. I don't even know what you guys are talking about. But again, um, the operating theory now is that he is planning to. It's just he wants to do it on his time. Also possible that I was dreaming when I saw that tweet. So that might even be fake. Point is, we have no information about Tom Brady. And I would not put it past him even a little bit to come back just to spite um, everybody for saying he's leaving. Just because the guy has done nothing but ruin football for me for many, many years. Uh, why stop now? Um, in Packers news, everything is horrible. Um, everything. We lost our offensive coordinator, which, you know, it's hard to know what all this means. And I, and I think we spend way too much time pretending we know. Right. Oh, man, we're in trouble now. Well, how much did Hackett help our offense? Well, a lot. Well, how, did, how much and how do you know? Well, I mean, come on. You know, he's, he's really, really good offensive court. How do you know? Well, we really liked him. So what? 
well, Matt LaFleur said he was important, and Aaron Rodgers said, yes, they, were, they said nice things about the guy that's been working there for a long time. Point is, how much of Matt LaFleur's offense is going to completely fall apart without Hackett? I don't know the answer to that. I'm guessing it's not zero, but I'm also assuming it's not going to be 100% considering this is not Hackett's offense. And it's just, it's been a whole lot of that of just pretending, even with the GMs, like this is the greatest GM hire of all time. Like, dude, how do you know? What are you talking about? Why are we pretending things? And I'm not mad at Vikings fans for being excited about getting a new GM. I'm not mad at Bears fans for being excited about getting a new GM. But it's just, it's just silly. Especially when non-Bears fans are like, dude, that was a great hire. How do you know? Some guy you've never heard of. Never in your life. And don't even lie to me that you knew who this guy was. Somebody you've never heard of, and then 15 people on Twitter start gushing about how incredibly talented this person is. It's like, dude, that was a great hire. And then I come along like, was it? How do you know? Oh, come on. Come on now. Don't be biased. Don't be biased. You know it was a great... No, none of us do. None of us have any idea. But anyways, we did lose Hackett. And then Luke Getze, not only do we lose him, our quarterback coach, but he went to the Chicago Bears, which also sucks. But once again, we're back to the whole, what does this mean? Now, obviously, it's it's not great to lose your offensive coordinator and your quarterback coach. I'm not going to pretend it's not, but I'm also not going to go into full-blown panic mode because I'm going to pretend I know exactly what their role is and how impossible it is to replace these guys, right? Everybody's mad about Jordan Love's development, but also everybody's mad that Hackett is, or that uh, Getsy's gone because he's a great quarterback whispering guru. We also know he's going to be a great offensive coordinator based on no information whatsoever, and I put out a tweet yesterday basically just trolling because it is kind of pointing to the absurdity of this, but Bears fans have been mocking the Packers for how bad Jordan Love is and how he's a terrible prospect and how the guys had however many years and months and weeks to to get up to speed and learn how to be an NFL quarterback, and they've seen no progress whatsoever. He's just complete garbage. And they hire the guy that's been responsible for Jordan Love's development, and they're gushing about what a great hire it is. Based on what? Oh, that has nothing to do with get. That's just love being terrible. First of all, you're making that up too. You're, that's fake. You're making that up. You have no idea. What we do know is that it's Getsy's job to get Jordan Love up to speed. That is, I mean, he's the quarterback coach. He's got three guys to focus on. One of them doesn't need his help, Aaron Rodgers. And if you're trying to give him credit for Aaron Rodgers, you're out of your mind. The other is Jordan Love, and then third is Kurt Benker. But to think that there is a bigger responsibility for Getsy than Jordan Love is you're out of your mind. This is their first round pick that is potentially the quarterback of the future. There is no bigger job in, in light of what the Green Bay Packers need than for Getsy to get Jordan Love up to speed, right? And so all you can do to at least make the, the bad news go away, and it's fair to do, is to say it's not Getsy's fault that Jordan Love didn't improve. Jordan Love is just useless and hopeless. And again, Jordan Love might not even be a bad quarterback. I'm just I'm just pointing to the absurdity of all this. Say Jordan Love is is uncoachable and unteachable. Okay, so what does that leave us with with Getsy? Nothing. No information whatsoever. Even as a quarterback coach, much less his ability to, <laughs> first of all, be an offensive coordinator, and second of all, be a play-calling offensive coordinator because Eberflus over in Chicago is a defensive guy. So he's now a play-caller. Now, he does have a little bit of experience with that in college. Uh, West Virginia Wesleyan, he was the offensive coordinator slash quarterback coach. Um, then he was a graduate assistant, then offensive coordinator and quarterback coach for Indiana. Then he spent time in Green Bay. So he, he kept getting these jobs and then doing different things. Then he was a wide receivers coach for Western Michigan. So he was an offensive coordinator for one year and then lost that job. 
Then he was the offensive coordinator slash quarterbacks coach for two years and then became a wide receivers coach. Then he comes to Green Bay, works his way up to wide receivers coach, gets another job as an offensive coordinator slash wide receivers coach at Mississippi State. That lasted one year. Comes back to the Green Bay Packers, et cetera, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. He's an offensive coordinator again. So listen, I, I he might be perfect for this. And it, it, it makes sense to get a... Um, there's a lot of things that make sense to bring the Green Bay Packer offense, that sort of, you know, Shanahan-y, LaFleury offense over here, assuming Getze can implement that. And he's a quarterback guy, so you're going to have him especially, you know, in tune with working with Justin Fields or whatever. So the, the, the theory of it, the concept behind it makes sense, but we have no idea what he's going to be able to do with the Chicago Bears and with Justin Fields. And by the way, if we're going to play the game where it's not his fault that Jordan Love is uncoachable, what does that say about Justin Fields? Well, that wasn't Justin Fields. That was Matt Nagy being terrible. <laughs> you know, he was the quarterback coach for the Kansas City Chiefs, right? Matt Nagy was a quarterback coach for the Kansas City Chiefs who became an offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs becoming before he became the head coach for the Chicago Bears. But, but, but again, this, this is the absurdity of it, of just pretending. Everybody's just pretending they know stuff, and it just gets to be so obnoxious. Nathaniel Hackett is a great hire for Denver. Uh, Getze is a perfect hire for the Bears, and now we should all be scared because Eberflus is also perfect hire for the Chicago Bears. Also, that GM they hired is perfect. Th- these are Bears talking points, and we're falling right into it. I, I don't have any idea how good these guys are going to be, and I know exactly as much information as you do. From there, the Green Bay Packers did decide to promote from within and are going to promote Adam Stenovich, who is one of our offensive line guys, to offensive coordinator. Now, my thought, by the way, Bears fans immediately jump up with LOL who? Like, first of all, this is, a, this is the exact same thing they would say if we had promoted Luke Getze. And you know what else they'd be saying? Oh, you mean the guy that couldn't de- dra- uh, develop Jordan Love? This is what they'd be saying. And I'd be pointing out how absurd it is because the whole thing is absurd. But that's the point. No, we have no information, and we're pretending we have information. These teams have massive amounts of information, and they sat down with them, and they talked with these guys, and they tried to figure out if it's the right fit and all these things, and they don't even know. Luke Getze doesn't even know if he's going to be a good offensive coordinator. Hackett doesn't even know if he's going to be a good head coach. Nobody knows these things. So, you know, whatever. And the same thing is true of Adam Stenov. What can we say? Well, look at how good the offensive line was. Great. What does that have to do with him being an offensive coordinator? Nothing. The only thing I like about the fact that it's an internal hire, and, and I, I will say I'm starting to get concerned with the whole internal hire thing, um, but at least in this case, if we assume, and I'm going to, that again, it wasn't Nathaniel Hackett that made this offense go, it was Matt LaFleur, largely, then essentially what we need is somebody that can implement Matt LaFleur's offense and, and, and do what um, Nathaniel Hackett was doing. And the best way to do that is to get somebody that was already in-house. They understand what Hackett was doing on a day-to-day basis. They understand the role. They understand the offense. They know what's expected of them. You don't have to bring somebody in and teach them everything. Teach them the offense. Teach them the concepts. Teach them the theory. Teach them all these things and, and how we work here, how we operate. Teach them the offense, the, the players, and who they are, and, and what we like to use them for. and all the. You don't have to do any of that because he's already completely up to speed. He's just doing a different job. But all that that grunt work is not a part of this. So that part of it I do like. Here's what I will say, though, that's starting to concern me. I'm starting to be concerned that Matt LaFleur is doing exactly what Mike McCarthy did, which is the reason why this team became not great. The biggest thing I always said about Mike McCarthy is 
his number one goal, because he's a really nice guy, is to get his guys hired elsewhere. Um, I hate to be that guy, but football's not a nice guy business. It's not a nice guy business. And I'm not saying go out and get a bunch of, you know, terrible character people who are going to end up in prison anyways type of thing like the Raiders like to do or the Chiefs like to do or whatever. But there does need to be an element of cutthroat. And what Mike McCarthy constantly did is promote from within. If they're good enough to get hired elsewhere, they will, and then we lose them. If they're not, then they get stuck here forever because we refuse to fire them. Mike McCarthy refused to fire anybody that wasn't good enough. And I didn't think that was the direction we were going to go. We did get rid of Petten eventually. But now, immediately after the season ends, what are we saying? We want to promote from within. We're not even really considering other people. There were there was talks about um, interviewing other outside prospects. There was a, um, again, pretty much based on nothing, but, but there are rumors about who's really uh, up and coming and promising and all these things. And there was the Eagles quarterback coach um, that a lot of people were pumping up. And apparently we had met with the guy and, and had an interview. And within five seconds, they're like, nope, we're going to hire from within. So a lot of the, by the way, Mo Drayton hired from within. We had a terrible special teams with uh, whatever his name is. Who cares? We had a terrible special teams in 2020. What did we do to fix that? Just promote from within. Now, on its face, that sounded stupid, but at the same time, it's like, well, I guess we don't really know. Maybe Menenga is his name. Just isn't very good, and, and some of these other guys will be better. It wasn't better. In fact, it was a lot worse. And I, I, I have been for the last several days getting annoyed with all the, why isn't he fired yet? Why isn't he? Like, dude, who cares? Like, just relax. But I am starting to get to the point of like, okay, explain this to me. Because I'm really getting worried that you're not going to fire this guy, and, and I'm going to start getting a little ticked off. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. If this is just going to be a promote from within thing, this team is going to fall apart, plain and simple. I mean, it's, it's, it's just, it's so self-explanatory. You can't just assume the homegrown guys are just going to be the best. There are people out there that are very, very, very talented, and you have to go find them. Occasionally, you've got some great guys from within, and the benefit of that is you know who they are, right? You know... If you go outside of what you know, you don't really, you haven't really worked with them before, so there's kind of that unknown, right? You got their reputation, you've got this like maybe one hour meeting with them, maybe you do that a couple times, just to try to get a feel for them, but you don't actually really know. And so we continue to hire from within. All of our top guys that that actually do a good job, presumably, get hired away, and we continue to promote from within. At some point, you've got to go out and find other people's and pe- poach other people's guys, right? Somebody else's quarterback coach that is an offensive genius just on the come up, go get him. We can't, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying we need to overreact and if things aren't good enough, just fire him right away. But first of all, Mo Drayton is not debatable. This is not debatable. This is one of the worst special teams units in NFL history. And I'm absolutely not buying the BS that it's just because of the players. Nonsense. That's, that's garbage. This was the most undisciplined unit I've ever seen in my life. They don't know what they're doing. They, we, we can't get the best out of anybody. We had a punter. By the way, J.K. Scott was a good punter. He just kept not being good way too often. We got the exact same thing when we brought in, what's his name? I don't remember anybody's name today. Don't worry. Don't mess with me. Uh, Bajorquez, right? Everybody was so glad because J.K. Scott is terrible, blah, blah, blah. And I said, okay, we'll see how it goes. He comes in, he bangs a couple 60-yarders. Everybody starts twitching and getting all excited and gleeful. And this is the greatest thing that's ever happened. We gave up draft capital for this, by the way. And the guy collapsed in the second half of the year. Every other punt was a shank. He got worse. Why? Oh, it's not because of Mo. It's not because of the culture. It's not because of any. It's just because, uh, you know, him. There's just this weird virus uh, going around where 
guys even who are who are good at stuff suddenly are not good at stuff. Mason Crosby, just magically missing punts and everything. I, I or punts, my brain is fried, man. This is why I take days off when I'm sick. Um, you know, field goals and and things like that. I I'm I'm starting to get concerned with the the nice guy routine. I don't like it, and I understand it. Where it plays well with having a, a good culture, which they're really concerned about, and there there are benefits to that. The locker room seems to be going well, but I also think that, you know, and I've, I've said this before, you, you things always fluctuate back and forth. You get the hard head. He's real tough. He's coming in. He's going to straighten things out, and everybody's super disciplined and all this stuff. But then when the team's not winning anymore, they kind of grow tired of this Mr. Drill Sergeant. They're like, I'm not listening to you anymore. And it just it, it causes these rifts. And so then you get the player's coach to come in, and he comes in, and he's the nice guy, and everybody's it's a party, and everybody's all excited, and they're jacked up, and they're playing for him, and they're they're excited because he's a nice guy and he's a fun guy. But then they start to roll over you. They start to take advantage of you. There are also issues and concerns with, oh, I don't know, they're not scared of them, so maybe there's a, a lack of discipline because, you know, there's no repercussions. If I kind of slack off a little bit, don't show up in an NFC Championship game because I was out getting hammered drunk the night before in Los Angeles or whatever out in Cali, you know, I mean, it is what it is, man. I'm, I'm having a good time. What's he going to do? He's not going to do anything. He'll go to the podium and just talk about disappointment and mostly take the blame on himself because he's soft. I like Matt LaFleur. I like the way things are going, but I'm, I'm seeing things go in a direction that's making me nervous and we got to stop it. Mo Drayton needs to be fired, period. And I've I, again, I have been telling everybody to just chill out. Like, dude, just get just calm down. But I'm, I'm, I'm getting nervous with the overall direction of things. The constant hiring from within is nonsense. And, and there's an overall feeling of good enough for a lot of teams. And this is, this is my, my general, there, there seems to be two different opinions on this. One is that, um, which I guess is where I come from, my thought process, that there are some people who are unbelievably talented. There are some people whose brains are just incredible. And, and these people are rare, but they exist. And there's a constant revolving door of these guys, right? There's, there's always a guy that's coming up and he's a quality control guy. And, you know, you kind of hear rumors about how talented he is, how gifted he is, how his, his mind works and all these things. And he's a wide receiver coach, a quarterback, you know, or, or defensive coordinator, whatever. They rise through the ranks really, really quickly because they're just really gifted. My thought process is find them and hire them. Find them and hire them because we want the best of the best of the best. The idea that, you know, it's the same with football players. Like, oh, there, there's, there's, a, there's dozens of them that are, that are good enough. It's fine. No, you get the absolute best you can get. Like, who cares about quarterback? There's dozens of them. You don't have to get, like, the best. We'll just promote from within. We don't need a new quarterback. We got love, and then we got Getze. We don't need an, an, another, um, we don't need to go out and get wide receivers if Devontae leaves because we have so many wide receivers. That's not how that works. And, and there are certain things where that does come into play, where it doesn't really, you know, the, the idea that there's the best of the best, doesn't, there, there's just dozens that are really, really good, and you just pick one. And so, you know, obviously we could go outside of, of the room, but we got guys here that can do this just fine. This is also the, the general philosophy behind the minority hiring thing. Right, it doesn't matter if we cut the league in in you know in half and say we're not hiring of anybody of this race. We're we're primarily looking for minorities or whatever the case may be. Well, if the best possible candidate is a minority, great, you got nothing to worry about. But you don't know that, and so again, from my perspective, you interview everybody, and there's only one who's the best, and you hire that person. Yes, there are dozens and dozens that are technically qualified, but the point is. Go out and find the best. There is a massive difference 
between good and the best. And you might get it wrong, but at least try. And if you're going to cut yourself off at the knees and say, well, I'm not hiring a man, or I'm not hiring a, a white dude, or I'm not hiring tall people, or I'm not hi why are you doing that to yourself? Because again, there's a large feeling that, that there's just a big pile of people that are qualified, and I just want to pick a minority qualified person. Okay, well, I don't like the idea that there isn't the best. I understand that's your theory and your thought process, but it's not mine. I want the best. And so we're not going to rule out things based on the color of people's skin or their gender or anything else that is sexist or racist or whatever other kind of nonsense we're doing. We're going to interview everybody as an individual. We're going to find out who is the most qualified, who is the most talented, who is the most gifted, and that person gets the job. And I don't give a crap what they look like, how they talk, or what they believe. Because winning is all that matters. Not trying to prove to the world that I'm not a racist. You can think whatever you want. I don't care. I'm hiring the best person. I'm not just trying to get applause. I'm not trying to win the offseason with all the media getting all excited and clapping for me. Yay, what a great hire. This is the greatest hire in the world. And then we lose. And again, this is the same theory with hiring from within. It's, it's just not based on race or gender. It's based on our guys. And, and, the, and again, the theory is it's good enough. It's not good enough. Or at least find out right? Hire, or, or, you know, you know what you have with your guys. Fine, sit down, have interviews with them, but then go out and talk to some other guys that are up and coming, and just make sure that the guy you're hiring is the absolute best for the job. I'm not talking about good enough. I'm not talking about, well, I'm most comfortable. You know, Stenovich is, I, I like him. He's fun to be around. I know his family. I would hate to, to not give him this opportunity because I like the guy. We're, we're falling into that same trap again. We're falling into that Mike McCarthy trap again. Hiring based on other factors other than, I want the absolute best of the best of the best, period. I don't care. And again, follow that out to its most logical conclusion, and here we have Mo Drayton, and we're all sitting here going, what is going on? I still think he's going to be fired, but I don't understand what's going on. But again, we're, we're trying to be the nice guy here. I don't, I don't want to let him go. You know, it wasn't his fault. I, I, I got to do a better job of supporting our special teams, and that was mostly my fault, and he didn't get the support he needed, and blah, 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 blah. B.S. Even if it's not entirely Moe's fault, which of course it's not. Of course some of it comes down to execution. Of course some of it is getting rid of our, our subpar long snapper so that we can bring in a really, really awful, terrible, worst long snapper, worst special teams player in the entire NFL to be our long snapper, and then not fixing that problem. That's part of the issue. And by the way, are we supposed to pretend that Mo Drayton had no impact on that? He's a special teams coordinator. You think they didn't ask him? You think it wasn't partially his decision to move on from the guy we had and move to the guy that we currently have? They're not consulting him? the coordinator. But again, even if it's not entirely his fault, why don't we think about the fact that there are guys out there that are brilliant? Let's go steal some other guys out there that are brilliant. There's really talented guys out there that can coach our special teams. Go get them. Unless you think Mo is that guy. Do you think Mo is, is the most brilliant guy in the entire NFL when it comes to special teams that doesn't currently have a special teams coordinator job? But again, we're not going from the best the, the standpoint of getting the best possible people on this team, building a super team of the most brilliant coaches. We're not doing that, and I wish we would. And again, that doesn't mean fire everybody instantly. I just it's a failed strategy. It is a it is a strategy that will fail. Again, we saw it with Mike McCarthy. If any of the guys that we promote promote from within are any good, somebody else hires them. If they're not good, they stay. And so at the end of the day, we're just stuck with a bunch of guys that can't get jobs anywhere else because nobody else wants them. That's not a winning formula. We're not going to have somebody hire Mo Drayton away from us. That's not going to happen. We're going to have to step up and do that. 
So again, I, I, I'm just concerned. I'm not saying we're already there. I'm not saying that this is 100% what we're doing. We did go out elsewhere to go get um, our special uh, defensive coordinator. I don't even know the name of defensive coordinator, much less his actual name. Good Lord, Joe Barry. Thank you, brain, for waking up. Which, by the way, we're going to have to have a conversation about Joe Barry as well, but maybe we'll wait on that until after the break. But um, look, I, I, again, I don't know for sure that that we're doing the wrong thing, and I'm not even saying that we are. If we don't fire Moe Drayton, then I'm, I'm, I'm officially in panic mode, and I'm officially in the, this is a, this is a problem, and somebody needs to step in, whether that's, uh, you know, Brian Gutekunst or, or Mark Murphy himself needs to step in and say, you're not doing this. We've been down this path with Mike McCarthy. If these guys are not good enough, if we're not getting what we need to be getting out of our coordinators and our coaches, they need to be fired and replaced. Period. And by the way, just general turnover is not the worst thing in the world. And 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 listen, I understand it's it's I'm I'm talking in a way that's very cold and whatever. But just general turnover. There, there's only so much. Like look at uh, Getzey, for example, as a quarterback coach. I'm sure he's a fantastic quarterback coach. But at some point, he's already been the coach for a long time. He has certain uh, things that he does well, certain things that he doesn't do very well. And he's been pounding and pounding and pounding and pounding the same things over and over again for many, many years, bringing in a new guy with a new look and a new philosophy that can kind of emphasize different areas and, and improve different areas. It's not like they lose everything that they got from Getsy. They don't. They can still carry that on, but bring in a new quarterback coach that can show some new things from a new perspective. It's not going to hurt things, but they're just there needs to be a higher standard. There needs to be an, an expectation of of winning. And that's for all 32 teams. It's not just this arrogant Packers thing of we, sh- every team should be looking at it saying, I demand a, a lot. I demand everything. I mean, and if something's not working, I mean, your job is to make this thing work. The head coach makes the team work. The GM does what the GM does. The quarterback coach does what the quarterback coach. Everybody has a role and there are expectations for that role. And if you're not able to do that, we have to make an assessment. And this is what I kept saying about our defense many years ago or our, our, our team overall many years ago, but especially the defense. The defense had been terrible for many, 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 many years, right? We knew that for a fact. There's only two reasons a defense is terrible. Well, technically three, because it could be both, but either the players are not good enough, or the players are good enough and the defensive coordinator is trash. Bottom line, the fact that both of those guys are keeping their job is an abdication of duty by the Green Bay Packers. This is what I was saying back when I first started this podcast, because it's just a reality. I don't know whether the problem was Ted Thompson or Dom Capers. I I tend to think it was Ted Thompson now that I'm looking back on it because the players were just awful. But again, nobody was willing to move on from Ted. And again, I'm especially jumping into dicey territory now saying we should have been firing Ted Thompson. But that, that, listen, the reality is you either do your job well or you don't. And they could have talked to Ted and they could have tried to get him into the role that he eventually took on, which is an advisory role or whatever. But the point is we were allowing this team to go further and further and further down the tubes because nobody wanted to step up and go to Ted and say, look, Ted, I'm sorry, it's just not working, man. We're going to have to get some fresh blood in here. We got we to make some kind of a change here because it just isn't working. We'd love to keep you on. We'd love to do all these things. Let me know what we can do, but this is not working. And, and nobody was willing to have that tough conversation. Same with Dom Capers, same with Mike McCarthy, same with all these guys that we keep bringing in and would not let them go. Because nobody just wanted to have the tough conversation. That is, until we went out and got Brian Gutekunst, and he was just like, dude, I don't care. I'll, I'll, I'll cut everybody. And he did. He was, he was ruthless. 
And it was great because we cut out a ton of dead weight on, on the team. Everybody was getting cut. We got rid of the coach. We got rid of all these people. We brought in the best of the best of the best. We went out in free agency. We got the best. We went out and looked for a head coach. We got the, the best. And it's paying off. But now we're getting away from that strategy, and it's making me very nervous. We cannot get away from that strategy. The, the NFL is constantly evolving. And, and, and not only that, but one of the ways that there is parity is that the best teams not only lose some of their players, but they lose their coaches. And those coaches go to some of the lesser teams and help improve the lesser teams. The only way to counteract that is to go out and get our own guys. We also need to be participating in this. If they're going to steal our guys, we got to do a good job of, of finding really quality people. And again, that doesn't mean for sure that we don't have some of those people on our team, but there's 32 teams. The odds that all the best of the best are our guys, very, very low. And we lost our offensive coordinator, which is a very, very high position. So everything under offensive coordinator, every, every offensive-minded person that is under offensive coordinator, we have the opportunity to give them a promotion and come to the Green Bay Packers to learn under Matt LaFleur, and potentially uh, be the the offensive coordinator for Aaron Rodgers. It's it's a desirous job for sure, but we didn't even entertain it. We didn't even give it a second thought. It was just, nope, we're hiring our guys because I love our guys. And again, it's a great thing. It's a nice thing. It's not the best thing. The best thing is to hire the best person. And I understand they had to act fast because guys were getting poached left and right, and some people were even looking at Stenovich, and it's like, look, we got to pull the trigger. And I again, I'm not trying to disparage Stenovich, I like Stanovich. I hope it works out well. We don't really know how it's going to go, but there's just a general concern I have, especially when the season ended and the first thing Matt LaFleur said is, yes, I intend to hire from within. Why? Why do you just come out and say that automatically? You're not even going to entertain going outside of the building. That concerns me. The answer should have been, we're going to hire the best possible candidate to make this team as best as it can possibly be. We're going to be interviewing everybody from within. I love some of the guys that we have here. We've got some brilliant minds that already understand the the offense, so it'll be a seamless transition. I'm excited to give them an opportunity, but we're going to interview the best of the best, and we're going to hire the absolute best to run this team and make this a Super Bowl caliber team. That's how you answer that question. You don't say, oh yeah, I, I intend to hire from within. You, that's garbage. You're giving yourself a 1 in 32 chance of hiring the best possible prospects. Those aren't great odds. Sorry to come so heavy on a Sunday, but it just, it just, it just, I don't like that. At least with the minority hiring thing, you're not cutting yourself down one in 32. It's like 50-50, probably even more so than that. It's probably higher than 50%. I still don't understand the, the benefit of cutting your, your prospects in half, other than being applauded by people that care about race over just winning. But again, it's, it's still, you still have a better shot of, of promoting the right person doing that than just saying, well, I'm just, I'm going in-house only. Again, I don't really care the reason. It's just a bad strategy. No matter what you're doing, don't limit yourself. Open the pool up. I don't care. Go find somebody at the CFL level. Probably not allowed out there, but but why limit your... your the, I don't know. I don't understand it. I mean, there's, there should be teams of people in our building that know the up-and-coming guys. I mean, again, I, I looked at the, uh, the quarterback coach for the... Eagles, the guy that helped Jalen Hurts really take a massive step. And listen, maybe that's not because of him. Maybe that's because of, but he's a young guy. He's very highly respected. He did some great work with a young quarterback. By the way, happens to be black. I don't care, but if you do, there you go. Put another notch on his belt. Why not just, I don't know. I don't know. It's just making me nervous. That's all I'm saying. It's fine. Doesn't matter. We'll see how it goes. I, again, I do want to address the, um, defensive coordinator position. Um, 
probably going to be some more stuff that you don't really want to talk about, but we're going to talk about it anyways. Because it's something else that I think I've been kind of ignoring, and then um, Mr. Numberman uh, threw it in my face, and my immediate reaction was, eh, come on, man. And then when I really thought about it, I was like, no, you need to, you need to stare this thing in the face. So we're going to look at it head on together. We'll take a break, and we'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, folks, welcome back, welcome back. Um, since today is uh, getting some of the uglies out of the way, plus it's Sunday, which is not a very listen-to day, so this works. We'll get the nastiness out of the way all at once. Let's talk about the defense a little bit. Again, this comes from Todd. His name is not Numberman. I just call him Todd Numberman because, number one, I don't really want to divulge his full name in case he doesn't want me to, but also he's he's the stats guy. Now, I do think he's... Um, He's going to always be biased in the favor of statistics no matter what. Maybe he's right, maybe he's wrong, I don't know. I'm just saying that's that's what I've come to recognize. You know, there's that that battle between the the stats guys and the like the film guys or whatever. He's he's far into the stats column. Anyways, his question, and I'm just going to go to the last sentence here because I want to I want to break your brain first and then force you to think about it. He lays out a case and then his final sentence is this. Why should we keep our defensive coordinator? Again, my brain immediately went to, come on, come on, dude. Come on, what are you talking about? What do you mean? What are we, we going to fire Joe Barry? Why would we do that? What was my biggest issue, and I'm assuming most of your biggest issues, with Mike Pettin? My absolute, I mean, it was generally the defense wasn't very good. My biggest issue, though, wasn't just that the defense wasn't good. It was the fact that we had so much talent, and the defense was still bad. Now, again, I think one of the biggest reasons why some people are going to be upset by this is, is that whole recency bias thing. Look how good our defense was in that last game. 
That's a dominant defensive performance. How could you possibly say Joe Barry isn't a very good coordinator? We had some good games, but over the course of the season, our defense was subpar at best. We finished ranked 22nd in DVOA, our defense did. 22nd. Now, we did have some injuries, that's true, but we still like our defense, don't we? We talked ad nauseum about Rashawn Gary having a once-in-a-career season. And, and if he never has a season that good again, I wouldn't really be surprised because, again, nobody maintains a 17% pressure rate. Nobody. You got, like, Aaron Donald and nobody else. We had Preston Smith at 14%. I, I don't think there was any team that had pass rushers that pressured the quarterback as effectively as those two guys did. We also had Kenny Clark on the team. We had Dean Lowry having a very good season. We had the best linebacker in football, and we had an incredible cornerback duo, even with Jair being out. If you think there are 21 teams with better defensive rosters than that, you're out of your mind. There might be four or five. It's not even worth going through it. You tell me which rosters are better. I can guarantee you the Chiefs, who had a dominant defense down the stretch, still do, don't have... And again, this is my issue. The Chiefs have never really had a dominant roster. They have a couple good players, right? They got a very good defensive tackle. Tyron Matthews, decent. I don't really know. I, I honestly don't even know anybody else. Why are we not getting better production with such a dominant roster? Let me read you the entirety of his message here uh, because he, he kind of lays this out, but I, I want to give it to you. And again, I rejected it at first. And then as I thought about it, because my, my, my default is to defend Defend, right? Defend the Packers, defend the coaches, defend, you know, in other words, my my predisposition is to defend until I can't defend. But reality still exists, right? So um, I, I don't, autom- I, I like Joe Barry, but I don't know how to defend against this. Here's what he said. With a mostly stud defensive tackle, one or two star edges, star inside linebacker, at worst a good DB room with Douglas and Stokes and very good safety in Amos, and I didn't even mention him. He's very, very good. We still finished 22nd in DVOA. Why should we keep our DC? He goes on to say, especially when the Denver and Miami head coaches are available and maybe even Zimmer. While we pretty well know it won't happen, what are the odds it might? So let's just gloss over that because that's never going to happen. They're not going to fire Joe Barry. Um, And I'm not even necessarily saying they should, but it's not even worth discussing. He goes on to say, and this this is the part that stung me to my core as well. Funny part is, Dom Capers is still vilified for working miracle defenses with Ladarius Gunter and five safeties playing dime while also achieving 23 DVOA defenses. I'm guessing he means ranking 23rd. In other words, think back on how garbage those defenses were that Dom Capers had. Who are our best pass rushers? Nick Perry and, and Clay Matthews who couldn't do anything anymore? Our corners, this this is, remember I keep talking about how our corners ranked outside of the top 100 every single year, like our best corner would be ranked like 101st, PFF-wise. Safety's terrible. Like, haha, Clinton Dix was one of the best players on our defense. Our defense ranked 23rd. This year, 22nd, with massive upgrades at every single conceivable position. He goes on to say, Nick Perry, our top edge, Clay Matthews at inside linebacker, Lindsey Pipkins, MD Jennings, you mentioned, brutal yet everyone's chill on Barry. In other words, we can't stand Dom Capers when he gives us a certain output with terrible players, but yet Joe Barry comes in with stars everywhere and we rank 22nd. We shouldn't be okay with that. And and the fact that we saw glimmers of brilliance in that Chiefs game, in the 49ers game, that's great, but it also shows you what this defense should be more consistently. That's what this defense is capable of. When you look at all the stars, that's what we should expect. And although it's unfair to, well, you can't expect. No, I can. 
Because what I, what I shouldn't be able to expect is for a GM to assemble this much talent, but he did, and we need to get the best out of it. And it, it's, it's also beyond frustrating, and I understand the defense did its job in this game, so that's not the reason we lost, but you know, you look back over all the, all the different wasted opportunities, it's not just a matter of wasting Aaron Rodgers' potential. I mean, the odds that, that, that Brian Gutekunst is going to be able to continue to hit after hit after hit after these guys are going to keep leaving, they're going to keep going away, they're going to keep getting older, they're going to keep getting worse. He's not going to hit every single year. Every draft is not going to be great. Every free agent acquisition is not going to be great. we got to capitalize on it while we have it. And last year was a great opportunity because, again, most of these guys, Zedarius, gone. Preston, possibly gone. Amos, I don't know, possibly gone. Devondre Campbell might not be back. Razul might not be back. Dean might be gone. Lancaster might be gone. We're about to, in, 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 a, in some kind of a small way, blow this up, and I don't know if it's ever going to be that good again, and, I, and it, I can't help but think that it was squandered. There's no reason we should be ranked outside of the top 20 with that defense. Well, we ranked 13th in points and 9th in yards. Well, that's, that's good. It's not as comprehensive as DVOA is. And again, I'm not saying we should fire Joe Barry, but, I, but, but this needs to be our new focus, right? It's just one year. Let's give him a second year. But, but there needs to be a new mentality here, and that is, these are our expectations. You have Rashawn Gary, probably Preston, you have Kenny, you have Jair, you have Stokes. You hopefully have Amos and Devondre Campbell still on this team. My expectation is top 10, bare minimum top 10. I don't want these 38-point blowouts. Not every game is going to be perfect. Not everyone's going to be perfect. Not every game plan is going to be perfect. Things happen. Even to really good defenses, sometimes things just happen. I'm not saying you got to be the 86 Bears or even the 2018 Bears. You don't have to be the Legion of Boom. I'm not saying best of all time. But there is an expectation with this much talent to be a really good defense, period. Based on the DVOA, even the weighted DVOA, which is looking a little further into the season and not so much at the beginning of the season, still 22nd. 15th against the pass, 28th against the rush. And I, I just I just want that to be the mentality. And I, I mean from within the building, because it doesn't matter if I scream into my microphone, nobody nobody cares. For if, if I'm Matt LaFleur, if I'm Brian Gutekunst, we need to have some tough conversations. It's, and, and, and by the way, discussing whether or not Mo, Mo Drayton gets a shot is not a discussion. He should be gone. But beyond that, we need to look back. And Matt LaFleur needs to have the stones to say this isn't good enough. We did some great things. We had some great games. But we, we can't be doing this. This is tired, you know? I mean, and, and not just for them, because they haven't even been here this long, but Packer fans every year with these defenses, every single year, especially the run defense where we ranked 28th. And again, in the past, we could blame it on just a lack of talent. You know, Ted Thompson didn't really give us enough guys to, to, to put on the field that were any good at football. You know, we kept asking Dom Capers to do magic. You know, make Ladarius Gunter a top 10 corner. Why can't you do it? He's not good enough. Let's get somebody else in here. So again, I'm, I'm, it's not that I'm not willing to be patient, but there, there needs to be this mentality of this will be the case or else. This is the expectation. You ha- and if I'm Brian Gutekunst, I'm especially coming down. I'm, I'm talking to Matt, and I'm like, listen, if you're not going to say it, I will. I put together, and I'm, I'm not going to be humble about it, I put together this team. I built this team so that we could have a good defense, so that we could go on a run, so that we could support Aaron Rodgers, and so that we could finally have a team that is balanced on offense and defense. I did that. I got you, Rashawn. I extended Kenny. I got you, Zadarius. I got you, Preston. I got you, Devondre. I got you, Jair. I got you, Stokes. I got you, Razul. I got you, Amos. And I got you, Savage. I built this defense from the ground up, and you will not ruin this. If I'm Gutekunst, I'm livid. 37 points to the Lions? How does that even happen? 38 points to the Saints. 34 to the Vikings. 30 points to the Bears? That's a joke. Well, we beat the Bears. I don't care. 34 points 
to the Vikings. 30 to These are division rivals, by the way. 37 to the Lions, 34 to the Vikings, 30 to the Bears, and we lost two of those games. We scored 30, 31, and 45 against division rivals and went 1-2 and two because of our defense. We beat the Ravens by one because we gave up 30 points. Again, I understand that we lost... You know, we, we lost two games against the Chiefs and the 49ers, only scoring 13. That's on the offense. That's true. And that doesn't, that doesn't fix the overall season. But what I'm saying is this can't happen. We can't go up against garbage teams like the Bears and allow 30 points. Garbage teams like the Lions and allow 37 points. Well, they got Amon Ra St. Brown. <laughs> I don't care. They have a mediocre offensive line, no running backs a garbage quarterback, and no other wide receivers, not to mention a terrible defense and everything else. There's no reason we shouldn't have just blown them out of the water. Well, we didn't play our starters, and, you know, it's... Shut up. Unacceptable. You can't do it. Can't allow that. 30 to the Bears. Come on, guys. Again, the the defense had great games, right? Zero, shutting out the Seattle... And and that's why I'm I'm not giving up on Barry. The, the, The point, again, is... This is the standard, right? You showed glimmers of of greatness, but then there was just a lot of not super great stuff, right? There was a whole patch down the second half of the year where it's like, well, I guess the defense is trash, right? We started off hot, not week one, but started off like, dude, this defense is legit, which, by the way, happens every year with the Packers. Every year, they start off the season, it's like, dude, this defense, what's up, defense? Remember under Dom Capers, like, every year, it was like, dude, we got, like, the best run defense in the league, and then we finished just garbage? Because every year, every year, dude, this defense, dude, this defense, dude, the defense, dude, the defense, tired of it. And then we get figured out, they pick us apart, we don't know how to adjust, duh, 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 guys that were good are not good anymore, etc., etc. But again, this this is the standard, right? Okay, got it. It was year one. Um, you know, we talked about with Coton and, and uh, Sam about the safeties in particular. It's a tough role, and it's going to take some time, but man, you can have some stars. Awesome. Awesome. I'm excited about that, and I, and I am excited about the the high points, which we didn't really see as much with Petten, right? Petten was a little bit more consistent, like, that ah, was a pretty good game, pretty good game, and then some pretty... We didn't really have games like 17-0 to zero against Seattle, 10 points by the Vikings, 10 points to Washington, 13 to San Francisco, 13 to the Chiefs, 14 to the Bears, 17 to the Steelers, 17 to the Lions, right? Th- those are impressive. Maybe not as much the Lions, but even as I said, any team you keep under 20, I don't care how bad they are, it's a good day at the office. And that was almost half our games, so that's, that's great. Well done. No question we won a lot of games because of our defense, and there's a lot to be optimistic about, but... But again, I'm not going to settle for good enough, right? We have to be beyond that. We, we, we just have to be, right? I love winning and I love all that stuff. But at some point, we got to look at it and go, I want the best. I want the best. You know, I mean, you don't go into the draft and say, here's the top guy on our board and go, yeah, but I don't know. Does it really matter? I mean, look at the margin of error. Why don't we just pick a guy that's from Wisconsin? Why don't we just pick a guy because of the color of his hair? Why don't we just pick a guy because of how tall he is? You know, I mean, I, I get that. This guy is like an 8.4 on our grading scale, and this guy's only a 7.2, but we just don't have a lot of 6.5 guys on our Like a 6.5 receiver, that'd be pretty dope, man. I mean, he graded out in like a second round grade, so I don't think we should do yeah. Margin of error, man. I mean, what, what, what is best? What does best even mean anyways? No, you, you get the best because the best means the difference between somebody like Rashawn Gary and somebody like, um, I don't know, any of the other pass rushers that went that year. 
they picked the guy they thought was best. That's the entire philosophy behind what the Green Bay Packers do in the draft. But it's not just a draft thing. You take the best available, the best available players, the best available coaches, the best available personnel guys. You take the best of the best of the best because you demand the best of the best of the best. That needs to be a mentality. And again, this is exactly what I said about Mo Drayton halfway through the season. It's not about we can fix this by firing Mo. That doesn't fix anything. But it says we demand the best in Green Bay, Wisconsin. This is garbage. You are responsible for the special teams. You are responsible for this. I don't care. I don't want to. Well, it's, not, it's not my fault. It's not his fault. Isaac Yadam coming. It's not his fault, man. It was on us. We were supposed to be better. Shut it. His job is to make you better. If you want this guy to not get fired, go play better. Well, we can't. Okay, then he's getting fired. I don't want to hear after the fact about how great he was. Go play for him if he's so great. Go play for him. We did our best. Yeah, t- 10 men on the field did our best. Okay, grabbing the ball at the one-yard line instead of letting it go out. <laughs> so we started like the, what, what was it, the two, the three-yard line instead of starting at the 40. We did our best. Yeah, that's a guy that's prepared. That's a guy that's mentally acute and ready to play football right there. I'm sorry. Your job is to make this special teams ready to go. You didn't do that. You don't work here anymore. That was the whole, um, you know, Sun Tzu art of war. If you are a general or if you're in charge of a group and that group fails, the general is executed. Period. End of story. Let me read you this little excerpt here. It's a great book, by the way. This is a summary I found of Sun Tzu, so it has snippets in it, but it's also commentary. Sun Tzu relied on clear and concise language to define the general's responsibility as the first step in demonstrating command of his new troops. Although initially faced with failure, Sun Tzu stayed true to his strategy when asserting the failure, or assessing the failure. He blamed himself first and clarified the message for his soldiers. Sun Tzu did not fault his troops for being lazy or dumb. Instead, he reflected inwards to analyze his own behavior and accept blame. If words of commands are not clear and distinct, if orders are not thoroughly understood, then the general is to blame. Continuing on, that was a quote from within the book. This is no, not. After issuing marching orders to his troops for a second time, Sun Tzu was disappointed to see that the soldiers once again failed to comply. Moving forward, Sun Tzu issued issued clear and concise language once more to assess the situation and apply a remedy. Quote, If words of commands are not clear and distinct, if orders are not thoroughly understood, then the general is to blame. For if the orders are clear and the soldiers nevertheless disobey, then it is their officer's fault. Continuing on, this time heads rolled, replacements were found, and by the third time the orders were issued, the new troops followed the general's commands flawlessly. What didn't happen in this scenario was that Sun Tzu didn't send out a two-page memo email to each person in his command with their orders attached, he didn't pull together a committee to deliberate the issue, he didn't hem, haw, or squander the opportunity. The statement left no room for ambiguity or fuzzy responsibility. Sun Tzu observed, communicated, and acted to literally execute on his junior officer's failure to move the organization forward. Here is the expectation. Talking to Mo, talking to the defensive coordinator, etc. This is what we will do. You move those men over there. Mo, your job is to make them go. They don't go, you go. Period. There is no excuse. You are ultimately in control. I have designated you to make special teams work. There are no excuses. Zero. That's just that's just the way that this has to work. And again, it's, it's a different standard for Joe Barry. The, the defense wasn't an abject failure, but there still needs to be an expectation. There still needs to be 
and, 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 and it's not even just because we have so much talent. I mean, the, the Lions should be doing the same thing. I have an expectation, and that comes from the top, looking at the GM. I expect this team to be filled with better players. From there, you talk to the coaches. I expect execution of this, that, and the other thing. What that standard is can be different depending on the situation, but there is an expectation, and you will either meet that or you will be gone. And again, that doesn't mean it has to be year one. There's reason to believe that, okay, well, there's a there's a coaching, there's a blah, 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 fine. I'm not talking about special teams. That is nonsense to say that they, they just need a little bit more time to learn the scheme of special teams. Shut it. That's nonsense. So very simply, Mo is gone, and Joe Barry, whether you like him or not, is essentially put on notice. I love what we did in certain areas. It was not consistent enough, and we need more consistent, better play from our players on a week-to-week basis. If we lose or give up 37 points to the Lions again or 30 points to the Bears again or whatever team happens to be a terrible offense next year, if those two teams improve, whatever, we're going to go up against some terrible offenses. If we're giving up 30 points to those teams and then turn around and go up against the Chiefs and give up 17, that's unacceptable because 17 shows what we're capable of. It shows what we can do if our players are putting the right opportunities, if they're given the right opportunity. If we're allowing 37 points, you have failed to put our players in the right positions to succeed. So anyways, a little bit of a different tone than, than usual because I, I do like the Packers and I do think people overreact to stuff. But I, I just, again, I'm seeing us go down a path that I don't like. I like that we have a good team. I like that we have a good roster. I like that we have a good GM. I like the upside that we've seen from the defense. I like what we've seen from our offense, from the scheme, from the players, et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot of things I like. But I don't want to see complacency. I don't want to see us falling whether we stick with Aaron Rodgers or don't, there still needs to be an overall attitude from this team in order to continue to move it forward in a positive direction, regardless of the players. If we're going to move in a positive direction, this needs to be the mentality. We expect the best. We don't settle. We don't just hire from within. We don't just hire based on skin color. We don't just draft based on stupid nonsense. We take the best of the best of the best. Whatever it is we're doing in front of us, we expect the best, period. We need a new quarterback? Go find the best. If it's Jordan Love, let it be Jordan Love. If it's not, we find somebody else. The standard is always do what's best, period. Shouldn't be that hard to articulate that. It shouldn't be that hard to, to, to accept that as a reality. And I'm sorry, but again, the nice guy stuff is not going to work. Because the cutthroat teams will beat you every time. They'll beat you every time. Because they're going to snap up all the talent. Because if their guys don't succeed, they're going to fire them and bring in the best of the best. They're also not afraid to go out and get guys kind of on the on the fringes of society, which does have its drawbacks. There's no question about it. And there are certain people that are way over the line. I'm not saying we should go get. I don't want Antonio Brown. But again, the more you limit yourself and say, well, we're not going to accept this and we're not going to accept that and they have to look like this and they have to talk like this and they have to believe this and they have to have a nice personality and they got to do this and this and this and this and this, you've narrowed it down to just a couple people and the odds that those couple people are the best of the best of the best to get us the one goal that we expect, which is victories, which is winning, which is championships. The odds that you're hiring the best, drafting the best, going out in free agency and getting the best gets lower and lower with every new criteria we put on there. So welcome aboard to Adam Stenovich. I'm glad that you got your new job. I hope that you can do, and again, it makes sense to me because he's going to be a seamless transition. That's great. But everybody needs to understand the expectation here. And again, the the problem with Mo is that that's a signal to me that that's not what we're doing. Because, well, of course they understand that. Do they? Why is Mo still here? Of course it's not just an internal hire because it's not just a, you know, they're not just being nice. It's, it's, he's obviously the best. Why is Mo still here? Right? Again, I hate to, I've been saying for, for days now, just chill out with the most of. Who cares? But again, why? 
And, and it's, it's, it's not polite. If you know you're going to fire them, why, why are you stringing them along? It's not the nice thing to do. It tells me that you're actually contemplating whether or not you want to do this. Because we're in the process right now of hiring people. We're interviewing people for coaching jobs. Special teams coordinators are currently being interviewed and hired away from us. We're not involved in that because we haven't fired the guy that we have. I like Matt LaFleur, but this nice guy stuff is going to cause problems. Nobody liked Brian Gutekunst because he's not a nice guy. Because he went and cut everybody and he went toe-to-toe with Aaron Rodgers, got in his face and said, I don't care what you want. You're going to come play here because you're under contract. You want to quit? Go ahead and quit. I'm not playing stupid games with you. And everybody got mad at How dare you not kowtow? How dare you not fall on your knees and worship Aaron Rodgers? I don't want that. I want people who are responsible for their job to step up and do your job. You're not going to be dictated to by a quarterback. You're not going to be pushed around by players or fans. You're not going to to do things to be applauded by the media. You're going to do the right thing no matter what. That's what I expect from my GM. I want it from from Matt LaFleur. Anyways, you guys know where I stand on that now. All right, now you sons of You know how I feel. You guys have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.